All right. You ready? I don't know. No? Not feeling it today? Uh, I, I really went into the weekend, like, pumped about. Are, are you wasting good material right now? No. By... You know how I go. Tr- Why aren't we videoing this? Because it's gonna, it's gonna, it's a, that's another level of difficulty by a factor of four. And I have SLR cameras, and they're not video cameras, although they take video, but they turn off automatically after fifteen minutes. <clears throat> All right, so that's tabled for now. Yes. Okay. All right. But can we get a video camera, like a true video camera, in the future? I think we can work that out. Well, we also have a company that has a budget. Well, you, you know, don't have to buy everything. Again, I'm not used to that. <laughs> yeah. Call no. Jer- maybe Jeremy has, like, extra shit. Yeah, maybe. That he doesn't use because he upgrades it or whatever. Um, Yeah, I went into the weekend, like, hey, uh, this is going to be fun. Don't waste your material. I'm not. It's recording. Oh. Well... <laughs> Well, you gotta listen. We gotta <laughs> kick this thing off. All right, I'm I'm going. I'm starting. You ready? Right. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Coast Down Podcast, presented by Pratt Miller. Pratt Miller, transforming what's possible. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Coast Down Podcast with Luke Sager and Brad Zimmerman. We are here on a very hot Tuesday morning, August the 15th, 9.59 a.m. We are one minute ahead of schedule already. So Look at that. So we are progress, kicking ass and taking names today. Um, we got a decent amount of stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so I know you are just... Uh, it is hot, by the way. It's and super humid. Yeah, brutal couple days. That didn't limit me from having a cigar on the porch last oh night. Oh, boy. But there was zero wind. I hope you have fans. Uh, I had I had a fan out back, but yeah. um, it was it was moist, to say the least. Oh, my gosh. It was, <laughs> yeah. All right. So have at it, Brad. I know you're, you're ready to go. Yeah, so, I, you know, uh, I was getting all geeked up. For the weekend, um, you know, IndyCar and NASCAR were running at the same track on a combo weekend, which I'm a big believer in just for so many different reasons. Yep. Um, uh, Indy's a great course. I was watching the weather. It was going to be rain-free. Uh, we had all the international, quote-unquote, road ringers in NASCAR coming. SVG was going to run a second time to see if he can kind of capture lightning in the bottle again. Yep. So I so I have five uh, ringers listed. Yep. And, you know, uh, IndyCar, uh, the IndyCar race at that track, at that configuration, um, I think both races, IndyCar included, puts on a very traditional race. It's a big track. They get, they get spread out, and it becomes a strategy game. And in both races... There weren't a ton of cautions. And even it seems like in the cup race, there was a handful of offs that did not trigger a caution because they are spread out. They're in a runoff area where they are kind of away from everyone. They were yep. able to get going, so they just kind of let them go. Yeah, you just drive through the grass, get back on the track, yep. keep going. Yep. So for the um, Indy GP, or I think it's it was the Gallagher GP technically, yep. um, little Graham Ray Hall put it on pole. Yeah. Uh, that was good to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about a, a, a wave of emotions after in May getting stomped on. Yeah, uh, by the track. Uh, he puts it on pole for the uh, GP. So, so all the all the Rahal cars were good. Yep. Yep. Um, and you know, turn one, lap one. Um, Devlin DeFrancesco, who you really don't hear about at all. No. Uh, started fifth, and by the exit of one ish into two he was leading the race man that was that was really cool (laughs) that was awesome (laughs) they must have put the special tires on and uh so he went all the way outside past a bunch of people and then swooped around on the outside again going into one yeah and you know one two three boom he's he's right in the lead so i bet i bet you he he drove into one 
he's like, man, oh my God, I think, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to pick up a spot or two. Oh man, I might pick up three. Yep, here we go. Oh my God, I'm in the lead. <laughs> like, how did I do that? Yeah. And if you watch it, he just he just outbraked everyone on the outside. Every, yep. Everyone was conservative, and he just went full send in there. And holy cow, that, <laughs> that was really cool. And then almost immediately following that, the um, the 5-6 turn, which in the past they had that weird alligator rumble strip there, which on the, which caused chaos for the cup cars. They, they fixed it, but still uh, Will Power clipped it, was not able to follow the natural uh, turn of the course, yep. clipped the curbing, and launched the car. Yes. Uh, <laughs> full send. Full, yep. <laughs> uh, it looks like it didn't bother the car too much. I'm no. sure it upset it a little bit, but yeah. uh, he, he kept going. Um, and then uh, a few laps later, there was a pileup going into uh, turn seven. Actually, was that the same lap? This is all. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. Was, yeah, it was with I, the, I the think first it, few. Possibly. So um, much like uh, Portland a few years ago when Dixon won the championship, and I, I remember they were like, all he needs to do is not crash. And he went into turn one and crashed. But the, <laughs> but when the dust pulled away, his car was fine, and he drove right off. This happened again in Indianapolis. He spins. He hits his nose a little bit. He gets bumped from behind. He spins in the grass. Keeps it lit, keeps it rolling, and then Newgarden, who was behind Dixon and was kind of fishing his way through, he was the last car to hit. I forget who he ended up. Oh, he ended up on top of the other uh, um, Ganassi car, the kid. And Newgarden was beached on top of the yep. front of his car, and as he's beached, not able to move, Dixon, you can see in the back, just takes off. Yeah, drives by. Yeah. And those that was uh, two and three in championship points. And I have to admit or uh, think that was a, a gutting experience for Newgarden to not be able to do anything and watch his uh, yeah. next person in line take off. Well, you could see him signaling with his hands and trying to get the crews to mm -hmm. get him unstuck and going um, before before the, the they came around to lap him and, and they couldn't get it done. But he would. <laughs> looked yeah he looked pretty frantic in the car yeah. um yeah trying to get it going for sure yeah and um okay so this uh it's it's racing related just because they were there but i want to do a shout out to beverly hills aerials um and if you guys have not heard of them i would check them out on uh, they have a twitter account that they're pretty active but that is the company that has and uh, had at the races past weekend and they've done a handful of races this season and they also are involved with uh, movies and TV. They had the drone aerial shots that were going between turn three and four in both IndyCar and Cup. And uh, I think their eight rotor, like carrying heavy digital equipment. Um, and so they were uh, offering these panning shots of stuff you really just don't see in the past, even with a boom, a camera on a boom. Um, they were really making some really cool shots. Um, and the only downside is they kind of, I think they were probably forced to stay right in that little area. They didn't cross the track, but I, I do remember like in the cup race uh, after McDowell won, he was kind of going slow and that thing got down low right next to his car and followed him. Nice. And for cine cinematography nerds, uh, <laughs> they do some cool stuff. Yeah. So I, I have a soft spot for them too. Do mm -hmm. you know why? No. They have a sprinter van. <laughs> Jesus, that's right. They probably don't sleep in it like you do. Well, they might. <laughs> they were at um, the Coliseum a couple years ago, and I was checking oh, out, yeah. checking out their van. It was oh, awesome. Yep. Anyways, that's yeah. I I, I can't so remember random. yeah where I saw it, but I think f to have them show up and do what they did for the weekend, it's about ninety thousand bucks. Oh wow. Yeah. So it's not cheap, but they they do really cool stuff. Um. So after some of the the melee happened, which wasn't terrible, everything gets spread out. And it pretty much turns into a classic race. Watching strategy, um, they mentioned push to pass a few times. They did. This race, they had 200 seconds, and they had to manage it themselves. And over time, over the past several years, I believe push to pass would come in bursts of like five-ish seconds. And now it's like you can hold – if you want to hold it down for 200 seconds all day long, you can do that, but then you're out. Yep. So a question for you, is push to pass, in your opinion, too gimmicky or does it serve its purpose and could, we, could it be a good potential for 
NASCAR Cup cars now that they have an ECU? Um, I like it, but I'm very frustrated with it. And and why I'm frustrated with it, same with this this tire the, the, these tire rules is as a as a spectator, you just don't know where they are with this thing, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it's a, a very exciting strategy component um, that makes things more interesting, more exciting. But like all you hear is like, oh, you know, I think, you know, he's a little bit pushed a pass or whatever. You cannot track during a race how much they're using, yep. how much is used, when they're using it, all, all these things. So, so what's the point, yeah. right? It, and it's weird because the announcers can see that. Yeah. Because the, the, they'll call it right off the bat. And I, I think they put it on screen every once in a while. Yeah. But not not full time. Yeah. No, I, I I think all the, you know, tire sets and whatever, they all sound great. If you're going to do it, do it right. Involve the fan. Let them know um, exactly what's happening, what sets are on, how many sets are left, like for tires, mm-hmm. um, what the rules are. Remind people the rules constantly. Same with push to pass. It's awesome, but where are we? How much do people have left? When are they using it? Mm-hmm. What are the different strategies around it? You know, if you're not going to do that, it's just noise and confusing confusion to the fan. Yep. And um, and you know, even the drivers have named it or nicknamed it push not to pass because you can use it offensively and defensively. And it seems a lot of times that the cars that are really dialed in and good will mm-hmm. not use it. They'll they'll get their placement on the track and their advantage and then after then they're just defending with it. yeah yeah which is I, th- I think is still cool yeah well so so the other big thing and where where are you seeing more and more of the passing strategy and racing happening is on the in and out laps mm-hmm. around a pit stop right so because it's so hard to get around a car on the track it's so much easier to get um get them on a, on a pit stop sequence and what that means is you can undercut, which means you you go in and pit before them, mm-hmm. and you really try to run really really hard on your in lap and out lap. So when your competitor pits, you you come out ahead of them on track. Mm-hmm. And an overcut is the opposite, where you run a bit longer. But either in those scenarios, it's all about laying down really really fast laps on your in an outlap to gain that position while the other guy's in the pit, so then you don't have to deal with them, the yep. traffic of passing them. And then guys are using up, um, yeah, the push to pass during that, right? Pushing hard on those laps. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind it at all. I would agree that they need to give a little more context and and, see, and let people know what's going on. Yep. Um, and so the push to pass, they are pushing the button. It closes off the wastegate a little bit more to build boost, that will trigger more RPM on the tack. And I think it's another 500 RPM-ish. And um, I think it's varied over the years, but it's it's about a 60 horsepower gain uh, once it's all said and done. And it's it's done electronically with a valve that triggers some other things, and it's, it's fairly easy to do. Um, you know, obviously they've had a, um, a pit road limiter uh, where they put their finger on a button to make sure they don't speed. I don't know why they don't use that in NASCAR because they I think they're running almost the same damn ECU from one car to the next, the McLaren unit. Yeah. But either way, I, I think there's some things that both series can learn from. But uh, I, I just brought that up because I, I know I, I've, I've read some comments in the past about gimmicky things and push to pass and the DRS in Formula One. I don't I don't think that uh, they, they might they might read gimmicky, but I, I think they have a place and they contribute to the product. I do. I do. I think I think it all needs to be very clearly explained yep. every single time, yep. you know. Um, yeah. So, uh, towards the end of the race, uh, Dixon, uh, I believe was put on fuel savings mode, uh, which he is the master at. And then I think they called it over uh, TV with two laps to go. They said wheel one, which I think means give it the full beans and he was able to hold off. So Dixon wins the race. I think there was a, did they skip a pit stop? Well, so what they did is they... They came in on on that first caution, yeah. Um, which actually, now, now that I think about it, was a few laps in. It was like maybe five laps right. in or something. Right. Um, they came in during that um, in pit and and got new tires and filled up. And mm-hmm. from there, 
they were able, with fuel savings, able to do two more stops for Mm -hmm. a total of three, but their first stop was under caution. Gotcha. So so it was less time, right? Yep. Um, But they still had two more uh, more stops to make where everyone had uh, three more stops to make. So yeah, he was on, he was on fuel conservation and tire conservation the entire, the entire race. Yep. And and, and it played out. Yep. Which he's the best at that. So that was his 319th consecutive race that, uh, so this is also his uh, 19th year with one win. Um, his consecutive streak is now one better than Tony Kanaan. And um, Dixon has been, for a little while, he's been in second place for all-time wins in IndyCar behind A.J. Foyt. A.J. Foyt has 67. Dixon is in second place alone by himself with 54. And uh, I know that's a record. D- Dixon is awesome. I, don't, I know he really doesn't care about this or that. The other thing, from a record book standpoint, that's the only one he does. Yeah. And um, I remember that was that. That's a big thing to him. He may not. He may not say it, um, but his wife says it, <laughs> and so um, that's still quite a gap to catch AJ. And you know, AJ raced in a time where tech was not exactly um, as thorough as it is today. Uh-huh. Um, I. Uh, a uh, little side story here. When I was in college, I had a professor. His, his name was Professor Fossil, and he was a USAC official, and he refereed some uh, Indy 500 races with AJ in it and a lot of races at the Speedway. And this was when the Offenhauser Turbo Offies were kind of a thing in IndyCar racing. And I think he said the drivers and mechanics got away with it for a couple of years until the reps picked up on it. But the exhaust pipe on an Offenhauser, they would cut it in half, they would weld a washer in there, and then they would weld back on the exhaust pipe so it looks normal, and they would polish out the weld so you couldn't see it. And what that that um, washer was doing was building excessive boost, even though the diameter of the exhaust pipe was regulated, because that would basically keep your boost at the same rate. Right, yep. So that washer was, you know, um, as the force is coming out of the engine, it hits that washer, it's going to build pressure naturally. And so they got away with it for couple two three years until they found out and then they uh, so professor fossil he said the way they would tech that is the cars were lined up um, on pit road getting ready to go and they would get a broom handle and they would flip the broom handle over and they would go down and they would put the broom handle all the way down (laughs) and if the broom handle didn't go all the way down and hit the washer they would bust the people on the spot (laughs) (laughs) so um uh i have uh, I've had the pleasure of working with both Scott and AJ. They're awesome people, but uh, I think AJ was king of fiddling with stuff. <laughs> so that is a what is it, twelve or thirteen race gap? That's still a ways to go. That is, and in the competition right now in IndyCar is so so tight. Yes, yeah. Um, could could he beat it? Um, I think so, but I, I was going to say it's highly unlikely. Yep. So. Um, that was cool. I mean, okay. So, overall thoughts of the IndyCar race? Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I thought um, the la- you know the strategy in the in in the last few races of, or sorry, not last last few laps mm-hmm. of of Scott closing in on Graham was was pretty darn exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was I was glued. Yeah, watching that. Um, the Ryan Hunter Ray. Um, part was interesting now i want to know what you your thoughts are um not getting out of the way yeah so I, so i was watching that pretty closely and to me it looked like um rahal didn't really close the gap like it's not like rahal was sitting on his tail mm-hmm. he was still showing like a, a second behind a second and a half behind um and wasn't wasn't on his butt to pass him Mm -hmm. so so graham getting upset that he he couldn't get by i thought was interesting because he wasn't he wasn't up to him yet yeah what's your take did you feel the same way i just look at the circumstances and if i'm ryan hunter ray i don't give a shit what's happening behind me or in front of me i'm racing for a job yeah 
and um, he he replaced uh, Connor Daly, I believe. Yep. He is racing to prove something. He is a he is a series champion. He's an Indy 500 champion, and I think he has earned the right not to move over. But but I don't think he did not not move over. Is my point. You know, he's just running his race, and he's like, okay, when Graham gets to me, I'll let him by. But he wasn't getting to him. Yeah. That that's my take, but but then Graham seems super frustrated with the whole thing. So yeah, I um, I, I think it uh, the way it played out is I'm okay with it. Yeah, and I uh, having also worked with Graham, Graham is Graham, and he um, I, I think he showed good sportsmanship when they crossed the when they crossed the finish line and he went into one and two and he waved at Dixon. I thought that was great. Yep. Because he he basically was uh, owning the weekend. Um, he was fast. He qualified on pole. He was leading laps, um, and they just got out strategized. So, um, you know, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, you know. Uh, okay, so uh, NASCAR uh, was on Sunday. Uh, obviously, hold on, yeah, hold go on. Ahead. Go ahead. Are we going to talk about this Palo contract? Oh, yeah. I didn't write that down, but, yeah, we can talk about it. <laughs> Holy cow. So, I'm listen, I am trying to keep up, okay? I'm trying to keep up with what's yeah, going on. I'm not even sure I know, like, exactly what's going on. Okay, here's here's how I understand it, okay? And, and, and correct me. Um, let's see if you agree. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Palo is under Ganassi contract. He's been there for a while. Right. Okay. In 2022. Yep. He signed something that had him going to McLaren. Yep. And was that original thing he signed to go to in 23 or 24 to McLaren? Um, I don't remember the year, but the thing that caused it to go sideways was an option year. Right. And the option was chips. The option was not Alex mm-hmm. because you can have both. Yep. You, know, you can't have both of the same, but there's, there's, there's two different types of options. Okay. And so Alex was under the impression or just didn't flat out didn't know. He's like, yeah, it's an option year. I choose not to race the following year, so I'm leaving. Okay. And Chip came back and said, it's an option year. It's my option year. Guess what? You're staying. You're racing. Yeah. And everything from that point on was like disaster. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's, okay. Now, um, the, the, okay. So that, that proceeded. Yeah. That's probably this year. That's why he's racing right. Ganassi yep. this year. Okay. Yep. So then they worked something else out for him to go to McLaren after this year for 2024. Mm-hmm. And this Monaco Increase Management Firm was the one that... Which is a terrible name, by the way. Oh, it is. I agree. <laughs> worked, worked through this deal, mm-hmm. right? But then after this deal, Palo's now saying, no, I want to stay at Ganassi. Yeah. I do not want to go to McLaren. And... In this Monaco increased management group are like throwing up their hands saying <laughs> you're on your own <laughs> yeah we, we tried we're you know yeah. we're disappointed we're done um i'm sure mclaren's pissed off too yeah. and it sounds like Pelot's gonna stay at ganassi is that all correct i i think that's correct uh is he gonna stay at ganassi i i don't know if if that is the deal but it um but mclaren is out of the picture uh, uh, Alex's um, management group is out of the picture, and as of right now, he's on track to win another championship in IndyCar. Yep. And I think you know the rumors will probably start to fly as we get closer to the end of the season on what his path is going to look like. Um, you know, and we we talked about this a while ago. Do you want to stay in IndyCar and just have a career that yep. Scott Dixon, Scott Dixon, esque? Or do you want to go to Formula One and not have that? Right. And, you know, are you going to make more money in Formula One? Yes. But if you don't perform, you're, that's going to be very short-lived. Yeah. Whereas right here, he, he, could, he could be on cruise control and just be his normal self and kick everybody's ass. Yep. He could make a, make yep. a home for himself, run yep. 10 more years. And the, other yep. in, the other interesting thing was uh, Chip made a statement on Twitter, or he made a statement and got picked up everywhere. And he, he basically said, uh, I don't, you know, you know me, we don't talk about contracts, which is true. We, that was something that everyone that worked at Ganassi learned. No one talks about anything in the public about contracts. Yep. It's not their business. That's just, that's not good. It's not good for business. Yep. 
So he came out and he reiterated that. And he basically said, I do not like Zach Brown. Yeah. And I like McLaren. And I'm kind of in the same boat. Like Bruce McLaren, like all he, all that he did before he died, when he was, he was like 24. Awesome. Great historical lineage, the company. Um, yeah. And we've, we've had our discussions about Zach Brown as well. Yes. This is Zach versus Chip. Yep. And... Um, uh, you know, there are, are positives and negatives to both of them. I'm team chip on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, it seem, seems like he's winning at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, you know, because apparently Zach spent a bunch of legal money with Alex trying to fight Chip. Millions, and they spent money, you know, maybe some time. I don't know what. But is that true? You know, maybe, maybe not. But um, it seems like Zach has spent a lot of effort to try and get him, and he's going to end up with an empty bag. Yeah. So wow. It'll uh, be, this is not over by a, str- yeah, by a long shot. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that was my fine, <laughs> uh, closing remark is, yeah, it does seem like there's even more to come. <laughs> totally. So. All right. Yeah, that's it. That's, and I'm that's, here for it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, no, it's interesting to see. All right. I'm, yeah, I'm good with Indy. All right. Uh, road course for NASCAR. Yep. Michael McDowell. Holy cow. Boom. We talked. So last, do you remember us talking about that? We're like, yeah, he's a good road courser, but, you know, is he going to win? Meh, he might could pick up some points, but. Yeah. But holy cow. He he was absolutely dominant. Totally. Um, Daniel Suarez put it on pole. Um, and I think uh, SVG, he started and finished right around the same spot between 8th and 12th, I think, yeah, during finished, this day. Uh, he finished 10th. 10th, yep. Um, so he definitely won for the road course ringers. Um, yep. Suarez was on pole. Um, uh, Michael McDowell won the first stage, which was his first stage win and also the first stage win for Front Row Motorsports. Um, and then the, the, the little difference with the way the race runs is they do have stages, but they do not have yellows to break them up. Yeah, I, d- I didn't know that until i was watching the end of stage one and they're like no we're not pitting we're gonna keep going is that was that new um i don't i'm not sure it's new i remember that they said that a while ago and um you know of course there's always hot discussions on whether that's the right thing to do or not um but i think another classic race um i think really the (laughs) the only one that looked like a little kid running with scissors was joey logano like uh, what was it the? F- I didn't notice that. Tell turn, me. Turn one, lap one. He he sent it and just he he looked like he was just driving the car for the first time. <laughs> and then the and then and then turn five six. He took that wide. He missed the turn and he pushed. Uh, I think AJ Allmendinger or someone off into the tire barriers and ripped the side of the car off. Wow. And it was like on the same lap. Hmm. And so um, and even. <laughs> <laughs> I did miss I did miss the start, so yeah, I missed yeah. that part. The announcers were like, oh, "It looks like he's having a bad day." <laughs> wow. Um, uh, yeah, so Logano had issues. Uh, Hamlin wins stage two. Um, I heard Hamlin was just running long. He he they knew they were not going to win the race, so he was just going for stage Some stage points. points yeah. Um, towards the end, Chase uh, Elliott. I don't know who that guy is, but he was running up front quite a bit. Um, he is basically, he has to win and that's it. He cannot point his way in anymore. Um, yeah. So, so he was up there. So you had McDowell, Suarez and Chase basically all with a chance to get a win. And and McDowell, I mean, he was just the dominant car. Yeah. Suarez gave Chase the business with 35 to go. Uh, there was a bumper cam shot. Suarez pushed Chase out of the way at about turn 11-ish. Um, uh, Chase did a good job saving it, but uh, and then Suarez passed him off of that. Uh, Suarez had an uncharacteristic for his pit crew uh, pit stop. They pinched the airline in that. Um, I'm not sure that would have won the race, but I think it, he at least lost a spot um, because of that uh, screw-up. Yeah, that's right. Um. Yeah, so uh, Stenhouse, <laughs> he spun both Button and uh, Kobayashi throughout the race. Oh, nice. <laughs> Even Dale Jr. on the broadcast, he goes, yeah, he almost has a hat trick <laughs> with all the international drivers. I thought that was funny. Um, so, yeah, I think this is more like old school road course ringers. So uh, SVG finished 10th. Brody was 22nd. Who's, who's Brody? I missed uh, that one. Brody Kut. Kostecki, uh, he's he's the RCR driver. He runs a lot of their sim, but he, so 
Brody is leading the points in Australian Supercar, and SVG is second in Australia oh. cur- currently right now. I didn't know this. So uh, SVG tenth, Brody twenty second, Mike Rockenfeller twenty fourth, yep. Jensen Button twenty eighth, yep. Kobayashi. This is why I don't bet on NASCAR. I thought this kid was going to win it. Thirty uh, third, yeah, um, <laughs> and Andy Lally thirtieth. Yep. So that's uh, one. So that's one, two, three, four, five, seven. Yep. Seven ringers, yeah, but not a great showing. Yeah, I'm glad for SVG because he has nothing but everything to lose after coming off with yeah. the Grand Slam in his first appearance. Uh, but I, fi- I think finishing 10th was respectable. He ran the um, uh, truck race on Friday night at ORP. Uh, he finished 19th, um, and he kind of hung around the middle of the pack the whole race. He finished the race. I don't think he got in any fender benders at all. He said he had he was having fun. He was enjoying watching the trucks all around him kind of move sideways all the time. So, um, uh, so the the one of the notes I had is that um, he will be a full time track house driver next year. But I think that deal yeah. might be a few here, a few there, a few there. So between Cup, uh, truck, Xfinity, I don't know. Uh, I think they have a deal with Nice, is what they said. Mm. So I think they're going to try and have an accelerated development program with him. Um, and give him as much seat time as possible to get him up to speed, uh, at least on the um, intermediate and big ovals yep. in NASCAR. Yeah, um, so that'll be good. I mean, that'll be interesting to watch, right? Because you know what he did at Chicago was looked mm-hmm. just magical. I mean, <laughs> the way he just dominated, yeah, just made you scratch your head. Um, and like I said last week, you know, the only only place he has to to go is down yep um and and we're starting to see it right and it's expected yep right like was he gonna go win the truck race no yeah no, no way yeah um how was he gonna do it indy uh i mean i'm sure everyone would love to see him do better than 10th but you know that's mm. actually really good yeah but but it's still it's like you know you're already starting to come down yeah from 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 that but anyhow yeah and you know um car prep you know this is i'm sure a backup car for track house that i don't know how much has been rubbed on if it's going to be you know really you know 10 of 10 mm. um so mcdowell wins yeah um, he's in locked in no cautions towards the last you know geez 18 20 laps and um so you know people forget that michael mcdowell um he's a road course guy first so I did a little snooping around on Racing Reference, which is a great site if you guys don't know, by the way. So in 2005, he ran two kart races when he was 20 years old. Oh, wow. And then from 2004 to 2012, he ran 32 Grand Am races. So he was a sports car guy first. Hmm. And I think um, – and he's been in Cup for quite a while. Yep. And he has – I think he's been a one-man gang in terms of finding funding and putting the deals together himself. Um, I, I know his agent. His agent loves him. Um, I heard Michael on a podcast recently, uh, and he's he handles himself great. Uh, yep. He's really dialed in. He was explaining the prep that he goes through by himself. He does it himself, whereas some of the drivers of bigger teams have people to do it for him. Mm-hmm. So um, really put together, and, you know, they were talking. He said he's just not wired to be like, oh, I'm going to go deep into the playoffs. But he was looking at the schedule, and he goes, I might go deep in the playoffs. <laughs> so that'll be a definite Cinderella story uh, to see how far along he can go. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was good to see him win. Well, you got a couple, you know, quote-unquote Cinderellas locked into the chase with uh, Chris Buescher. Mm-hmm. Um and uh mcdowell now right and ford jesus yeah they it, found the easy button one two three four five six fords yep this is their third cup win they uh they've been strong in trucks recently but yeah it seems like they have found something um that has uh, moved their cars along quite well yeah i would say that the group i'm most surprised has the most drivers you know sitting outside that you would expect to be in the chase uh is chevy uh you have suarez elliott and bowman all three uh should be you would expect to be in the in in the playoffs and are not um yeah and then and then possibly uh austin dillon yeah so 
two races left. We have the Glen. Yep. Then we have Daytona. So yep. we could have two more, quote unquote, surprise winners. Yep. Um, at least one. So that means the next two on the chopping block uh, uh, from the playoffs are Ricky Stenhouse uh, and Bubba Wallace. Um, and then Suarez is on the bubble. We'll call Gibbs on the bubble too. So, yeah, we'll be interesting to see what what happens there. We, um, I will, I will hope uh, that there are no really bad accidents in Watkins Glen. But that's one of the tracks that scares me because they still don't look like they've really updated their um, circuit with safer barriers or any sort of. I, there's been some dingers on that one. Yeah, and there's there seems to always be a lot of beating and banging yep. at the Glen, which makes for great, yeah, great racing, a lot of side by side, yeah, I agree, hard racing, which is super fun to watch. Yep. Um, all right, thoughts on NASCAR? I'm good. Okay. Um, not a ton of off the track stuff. Um, I did see, so uh, the marketing motorsports nerd that I am, they there was an article written about Chipotle um, with their Formula One program. They kind of outlined it somewhat in detail. Um, but uh, 2015, 16, 17, Chipotle had all those issues with, you know, just all the issues with their food and people were getting sick. And they had a new regime come into their executive offices, 17, 18, right around there. And so far, uh, they have taken a very pro-sports uh, stance with um, uh, U.S. women's soccer, Formula One. Those are their two biggest spends from the looks of it. And they are on track to double their profits, uh, or I'm sorry, double, double their revenue since 2017. This article was specifically um, outlining their participation in Formula One. Uh, they said the mid-20s uh, is their target. Uh, they met with a lot of Formula One teams that were all uh, in love with their price tag, and they were all a little too rich for their blood. They didn't say how much they paid for it. Um, they said they loved Gunther Steiner. They loved his personality. Um, this was also frothy with Netflix, so yep. that was all kind of in, in the mix. Yep. So affordability, uh, global scale, uh, characters um, uh, chose them to pull the trigger. And their, uh, their CMO, Chris Brandt, <laughs> the, the last quote in the article I understand the context, but if you read it out of context, you can take it a couple different ways. And he said, it's okay to be with a team that isn't that isn't contending for wins. You don't need to be a winner in Formula One. So, <laughs> you know what's so funny is I, I read that article, and that's the line that <laughs> stuck stuck with me. So if you if you read it not knowing anything, you'd be like, oh, these guys are with a bunch of losers. <laughs> but if you read the whole article, he's saying that you do not need to be with Red Bull winning every race to have a successful motorsports campaign. Yeah, the, yeah. The context was we can't afford Red Bull, right? <laughs> um, and there's still a ton of value with yep. not Red Bull. Yeah, but but yeah, the way that 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 would have stung, I think, <laughs> if you were a, a Haas person reading that. Yeah, uh, you know, but good for them. Uh, I'm glad it's going well. I mean, but the truth is, I mean, ha Haas is really really struggling right now yeah like they are, are not performing on track at all they've had a really rough year yeah. for sure so i mean it's it's the truth you know they're they're they're, they're not winning um it's a tough year for them yeah um larson i believe for the second time won the knoxville nationals uh which was run on the same weekend as all this cup stuff in indy um uh he he has done this a few times in the past, <laughs> and um, there's just times where I don't know if it's him or his camp. They don't make the wisest decisions in terms of like getting rest before a race. And there may have been one time when he raced Knoxville and came back to the racetrack in Indy at four in the morning. <laughs> wow! <laughs> but running those doubles, uh, it, that's kind of what they have to do, and, that, and that's what he does. Uh, he won Knoxville. Um, they also released his uh, livery for the 2024 Indy 500, yep. which was like, a, it looked like the same as his. It, it was the Hendrick um, car. Hendrick cars 
but if you look at the current McLaren cars on track today, it looked the same. It was just literally different wording on the side of the car, but still, you know, blue in the in the papaya. Uh, so that was released over the weekend. Um, we are a hundred days out from uh, Las Vegas Formula One. Yeah, um, that will be pretty cool. Yes. Um, the Indy Oval, the Brickyard, the traditional Brickyard. Are we going to see that? Is that didn't a couple cars stay over and test the the big oval on the? They weekend? did. Yeah, they did. I believe it was a tire test. Um, these last couple of days, I haven't I haven't checked in to see how that went, but yes, I yeah. believe that's correct. Um, I mentioned Trackhouse um, and SVG. You'll more than likely have some sort of pairing. Um, you know the the thing I I don't know, and I don't know if anyone does other than a handful of people. Um, is he going to race partial seasons in all different series, thus not qualifying him for playoff season? And, or is he going to run full-time in cup with other partials? And are they going to do it without a charter? Because uh, they have two. They bought two. Um, are they going to run a deal with someone like Rick Ware that's sitting on what seems like six different charters where they lease one or they sell one. Yeah. Does SVG bring money from Australia that are global companies that make sense to advertise here in the States? Um, I, I just, I can't see them running a car at cup without a charter. Can you do it? Yes. Is it the dumbest business move? Yes. Cause there's just no guaranteed money. And even if you do place high in a race, you're not going to get a whole lot of money. So I just don't see anyone with half a brain running a cup race without a charter, without that guaranteed money. Yeah, we'll have to see how that how that plays out. You know, I wonder wonder how the whole play is going to be. You know, that NASCAR is kind of looking curious, I guess we'll say it, about expanding more international. Mm-hmm. The whole Garage 56 thing was about more international exposure. Um, you know, getting a, a, a driver like SVJ, uh, SVG brings, brings a lot of attention. Um, worldwide mm-hmm. you know so so there could be some play on that and and nascar may be helping too I, who yeah. knows right dale jr threw out the idea about having two charters two or four charters that are owned by nascar and are given to teams and if they cannot hold a certain level then they get relegated mm-hmm. but nascar ultimately controls in, in his theory would control those you know four two or four however many they were I just, I don't, like, again, I don't know him. I've heard he's pretty tight with the pennies. And at one time, he could have bought a charter for a couple million bucks. And now they're, like, 30. And he's trying his damnedest to try and get in without having to pay $30 million. So, um, yeah, he is super conservative with his, um, you know, motorsport business decisions. Yeah. But we'll see how that plays out. I think, I mean, NASCAR... I think if, you know, obviously they, they want his name around the cup garage as a full-time owner, but I'm not sure how motivated they are to make that happen. Uh, just because it would forget to to have him come in on some weird thing could disrupt the apple cart for everybody else. And they're already in deep in talks that I'm a little shocked that you haven't heard some sort of outcome already, which means that the conversations are probably not going as quickly as they should. Mm-hmm. So um, that's going to be a whole other podcast. To, uh, when in, in your time about charters and TV charters, deals. TV and deals. For NASCAR. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, it has been super quiet. Yeah, I haven't the, seen anything in a month at least. The TV deal and the charter end on purpose on the same year, and so they both get renewed uh, going forward, and a lot of that, almost all of it is predicated on how big of the pot, the TV money that they get. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, That's all I had other than, you know, we made our own little announcement this past Friday. So um, God, we've been, we've been sitting on this for a while just because the, the, the system that we're buying is coming from overseas and we're building it here. So we're going to, we're going to have our own dill driver in a loop, yep. uh, which is like a simulator on steroids for people that don't know what that is. Yep, super excited about that. It'll be based here in our Huntersville office. It is currently in transit, and uh, I think October-ish is when it'll at least be in the building, and then we'll start assembling it and building it, dialing it in. And the goal is to have it at the first of the year um, open for business on a rentable basis to yep. any and all teams. 
and we're pretty excited about that because we will be one of the only teams that has that i think we'll be the only team in north america that has our own dill because when it's not rented out we'll have our guys in there so um yeah it depends how you would classify the multimatic rig that might be the only one you could yeah say is owned by another team yeah. yeah um but yeah that was that was kind of big news but big news for the uh people on the inside that are yeah. putting these cars together i did you know the michael mcdowell did explain on the podcast i listened to um his experience with the dill i know he's been in this building quite a bit mm-hmm. um and they have he is a ford team so they have time in the ford dill in concord but not until Thursday. So it, they said it's not the most ideal time. If they find something that they hit on in the deal, they don't necessarily have a ton of time to make the corrections to the car. Yep. So, um, you know, maybe maybe our time slots that will provide these, you know, mid-level teams uh, better access to um, simulation. Yep. So, um, yeah, we'll so, that goes. so the deal is everybody wants Tuesday. Tuesday is the best day yep. um, on the dill schedule. Yep. So that is because, um, you know, it's it's close enough to the race so that you can, you know, it's relevant to get in and, and run your laps and, and, and get familiar for the upcoming weekend. But there's also enough time to really work on a lot of different setup options and things like that. Um, do any follow-up work you want to do mm-hmm. uh, with offline sims and things like that and get the changes into the car before before it ships off um to for the weekend so we we posted that on friday morning and i was kind of watching our social media um and there was a few people that they don't really know what this is they just think it's a glorified simulator so Mm -hmm. do you want to do you want to give a 30 second like what it really is yeah so um you know uh, we'll call it a modern day uh professional level uh simulation rig DIL driver in the loop simulator um, fills up uh, an entire large room um, with a huge wraparound screen yep. um, with a cockpit that is an exact replica of, of the car you drive. Um, so when you get in this thing and you're surrounded by this this wraparound screen um, and you start up the engine and, and you hear it rumbling, you you really feel mm-hmm. immersed mm-hmm. in in it and almost to a, a point of confusion where you're like wow is this mm-hmm. reality or am i in a simulation um and then yeah so so you know the track is modeled extremely accurately uh scanned so all the bumps and things like that are are, are modeled perfectly um just a ridiculous amount of effort goes into the simulation model, making sure it is correlated to the real car. Um, so everything from, you know, the compliance of the car, so things bending and twisting that is modeled um, very, very accurately. Um, and, of course, the suspension and aerodynamics measured just as accurately as you can. So you can, you know, when you look at things like, shock travels damper travels um ride heights when you when you compare that stuff to on track real car they're within you know thousands tenths of an inch i mean it's it's really Mm -hmm. quite remarkable how how accurate these things are and then a huge amount of effort goes into getting the the tire models as accurate as possible um doing tests at the track coming back here correlating all the data you can but then getting the driver in and, and to continue to tweak and adjust to the tires are as, as close as, as they are. Um, so if you do everything right, it's it's incredibly accurate. Um, is it reality? No. Um, and, you know, drivers um, have learned to how to balance reality in, in the dill. Um, some, some really struggle with it. Some embrace it. Um, some go very hot and cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so is, there's definitely an art to that. And, you know, the younger uh, drivers, um, and I, I don't think it's because they're younger. I think it's because they've grown up r- around these technologies, using these technologies, uh, seem to embrace it and, and can leverage it more. Um, so when you have, you know, you, you think of the progress of someone coming into NASCAR, they start in truck, right? And then they go to, you know, truck, Xfinity, whatever. They come in with 
very little experience of the tracks, let's call it. So those guys come in at a young age, start to use this equipment, use it, you know, their first lap around, you know, Charlotte, whatever, it's going to be in a dill, Mm -hmm. right? Then they go to Texas, their first lap ever around Texas is going to be in a dill. And every week they're learning to use and understand these tools, these limitations, how they can be leveraged, where they need to be careful, whatever. And they kind of carry that through their career by the time, you know, they're in cup and whatever, they come in for a, a Tuesday DIL session. I mean, it's just part of their routine. They they know exactly what to expect. They know exactly how to use it. And, and that's where you see the most success. And does it also help foster the communication between the crew chief and the driver with giving feedback and asking for certain changes and the feedback that it gives? Because that's really the yes, absolutely. where the secret sauce is because you can change all sorts of setups without really changing setups yep. and you can you get the feedback from the car and the driver immediately. Yeah, all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's super important, especially when you have, you know, you're developing a new driver crew chief relationship um, and, you know, they're getting to know each other, right? Yep. So they can come in here um, go through changes and, and, you know, simulate, well, execute a test, but doing it in a much more controlled and relaxed environment. Yeah. They're learning to talk and communicate and, and all those things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a big deal. So, um, first of the year, uh, it'll be up and functional. We will make more, uh, public, um, communication pieces, uh, going forward when that gets closer to happening. I still want to have an event with some reporters here and throw them in there to see yeah. to see what their, their feedback is. Um, so going forward, uh, this coming weekend, geez, NASCAR's it. So IndyCar is off, Formula One is off, IMSA and WEC are off. So NASCAR at Watkins Glen is going to be the sole. They better have good numbers. The sole trooper. They, they don't have competition. <laughs> That's right. That'll be another interesting yeah. thing to see. So um do you have anything else on the off track? No, stuff? no, just you know, I'm poking around to see what's going on. F1 uh, mm-hmm. world, all that's all that's pretty quiet. People are doing you know mid race mm-hmm. updates, who's good here and there, and and what have you. Just trying to fill fill content. Yeah, um, yeah it'll be exciting once once that gets uh, picked back up. I think I'm pretty excited about you know these last two races leading into the chase i always find that pretty pretty exciting mm-hmm. and, and entertaining to watch to see who gets spit out of the system yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah i'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks for sure all right uh don't forget to like subscribe follow thanks everyone for following us on um social media uh today's tuesday so wednesday afternoon there will be a post about another social media challenge with a cool prize in it um it is uh, almost 11 o'clock on tuesday have a great rest of the week and stay cool and we'll see you later yep thanks everyone bye